Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to PIs Declassified. Uh, my voice is a little uh, challenged today, so I hope you can bear with me. But today I'm excited to have Brianne Joseph, a licensed private investigator from Louisiana, on the show today. Welcome, Brianne. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. So, Brianne, uh, you're, we're going to be talking about brand awareness and um, the kind of uh, efforts that it takes to, to reach clients and, and that kind of thing. But before we do that, you have such an amazing background. I'd like you to just tell us a little bit about yourself first. Sure. Um, well, I've been a licensed private investigator for almost 15 years. Um, it'll be 15 years uh, next year. And um, I came into the industry as a surveillance investigator for just various uh, local firms back then, and um, I just decided to start my own thing after realizing that it was a largely male-dominated industry. I just wanted to teach other women how to Mm -hmm. do what I did, and and that's Mm -hmm. how the agency was born. I just started Sly Fox Investigations, and uh, we specialize in surveillance, of course, (laughs) for uh, child custody cases, infidelity, and insurance fraud. Okay, and I love the name Sly Fox. It's uh, <laughs> that's a great name. Uh, so, <laughs> Thank how, you. how how in the world did you get started working for a company doing surveillance? How did that come about? Well, I actually had um, a relative who used to type reports for a detective agency years ago, and I actually met with her at the agency to pick her up for lunch or something. We were we were about to do. And, um, and she mentioned, you know, what the agency was and what they did. And I was just really intrigued by it. And mm. um, that's really, that really was my first, uh, you know, concept of private investigation. It came through her and what she was doing. And so I uh, spoke with the, the owner and, um, you know, just kind of asked him to teach me a little bit about it. And I became licensed and started doing surveillance and just kind of fell in love with it. And I just went from there. Interesting. What were you doing before that? Um, I was in school at Dillard University, and I was also uh, working for a modeling agency back then, uh, part-time, so I wasn't really into anything heavy. It was just, you know, something to do in college. Uh Uh-huh. Interesting. What's your major? It was in business and marketing. Okay, so this is perfect. This this is a perfect yes, venue yes, for yes. you. And, and, and going to school for <laughs> business and marketing did uh, definitely help me, you know, build my brand just from a business standpoint. So it was definitely helpful to me. Oh, that's great. So you have been on, I, I was just looking at your bio, you've been on so many shows, you've been, fe- you were featured in Essence, Essence Magazine. Uh, yeah. You just were... Uh, you just were interviewed recently. I, <laughs> you have an amazing background for, I, I mean, actually 14 or 15 years is a fairly short time to be in business as a private investigator. So uh, this is amazing, I have to say. Very good. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I've been trying to make a point to to get the brand out there and just make people aware of us and what we do and We've been blessed to have a lot of uh, great opportunities come our way as far as marketing and getting exposure. We were recently actually on the cover of the New Orleans Gambit magazine. Um, I believe it was in July. So that was really big for us because um, we got a lot of attention for that and it definitely helped us. So, you know, marketing definitely has its place and it's a a worthwhile effort in the end. So that's why I'm I'm a big advocate for it. So uh, how do they hear about you? Uh, to interview you? Is that something you reach out to them or they reach out to you? Well, um, it depends. It's both, actually. Um, A lot of things that I do, um, I do really strategically and intentionally, and I'll do direct reach outs and things like that. 
Um, but a lot of times I'll get requests for interviews and things like that based on them running across my website or someone mentioning the company to them or if I'm featured in a, a magazine or something, they may read the article. I had, I had actually um, NBC Network. They, when I was on the cover of the uh, Gambit magazine, some, some way that article reached her in New York. And she called um, after reading the article and was interested in, in, in working on a, a project potentially. But it was it was not a direct reach out in that instance. You know, sometimes it's just from articles that they read. They'll call, uh, you know, from having from having that type of, uh, you know, exposure for me. Mm-hmm. Well, I, and I see, too, that you were uh, you received a resolution from the Louisiana St- Senate floor in recognition of being a pioneering entrepreneur when founding Sly Fox Investigations. So that's really fabulous. Yes, that that was really amazing. Um, We were called, a couple of our girls went down to the Senate floor. I think that was May of last year. And um, we received a recognition, uh, a resolution for, you know, just advancing the role of women into a male-dominated industry and and just Uh building a successful business that was women-owned and and led in the state of Louisiana. you know, so that, that was an amazing opportunity. Well, and I and I think, uh, Brianne, that because you're not only a woman but an African American woman, that is something that uh, is is fairly unusual. Yes, it is. <laughs> I think you know when I was starting, I, I don't know what the numbers are now, but I think there was like sixty thousand PIs back then and only fifteen uh-huh. percent were women and like three uh-huh. percent were African American women. That was a while back. I don't know what the new numbers are, but yeah. That's definitely I'm definitely a minority in every sense of the word in this industry, you know, so <laughs> I I'm actually surprised. I'm actually surprised it's even that high. You know? Oh really? Um, yeah. I oh, know, yeah. Back then that's what I read. So I'm sure they're different now. Hell that's great. Uh there's so there's so much need for African American folks to be in this business. I mean, it's just it's really critical because it's it's a pretty all white group. <laughs> pretty yeah, all white male yeah, group. It is. <laughs> yeah, there's always room for diversity. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. So in addition to all of this, Brianne, you are a breast cancer survivor. So talk I about am. that a little bit. Yeah, I am. I was. Um, diagnosed with breast cancer. I want to say it was 2015. Fortunately, um, I caught it early and all I needed to do was um, have surgery to remove it. And um, as a result of that, I went on to establish a a breast cancer um, empowerment brand called Punk Ass Cancer. And um, (laughs) through that empowerment brand, I have the amazing platform of traveling the country as a keynote speaker at oncology conferences um, where I speak to oncology staff and doctors and I educate them on ways to um, empower their patients from the patient's perspective in hopes of transforming the patient-provider relationship in breast cancer. Um, and I get the opportunity, I wrote a book about my experience. It's on Amazon. It was on the, uh, it was a number one bestseller on Amazon for a while. I'm really proud of that as well. And I get a chance to talk about my book and I also I do a PowerPoint presentation to the audiences, and and I try to incorporate other experiences from other survivors into the presentation, and so it's something that I do every year, and um, it's it's a great way for me to give back uh, and something positive to come out of such a potentially negative situation. No kidding. And what's the name of your book? It's called, it's entitled, Punk Ass Cancer, How Dare You? (laughs) <laughs> great. <laughs> I was appalled I was like what I was like what I know you no I can't believe it you know it was like how dare you but you know I laugh about it but you know when I when I speak about it on stage it's from a very serious uh, perspective because you know for me it was how dare you try to take me away from my family and my friends and everything that I know and love it it just pissed me off, you know, and I got I got mad, <laughs> and so I think that's where that's where that came from the, that moment. <laughs> so, what do you think is uh, because you're you're instructing medical professionals as well as uh, women like 
me and you, uh, what's the biggest lack do you see in the way medical professionals interact with their patients? Well, one of the things, one of the biggest problems is um, they are not very uh, emotionally involved in the breast cancer patients. It's very uh-huh. robotic, almost, uh-huh. their interactions. Um, and, of course, doctors are supposed to be matter-of-fact and kind of get straight to the point. But when you see someone who's visibly shaken and visibly distraught, I mean, give them a hug, you know, reach out to them and, mm. and be human. And that's what's mm. important about the presentation that I do. It's about the human side of cancer, you know, and, and focusing on the actual individual and their emotional needs in that moment more so than just the medical diagnosis. How much of that do you think is self-protection on the doctor's part? Self-protection? Yeah. Oh, I think it's absolutely a part of it, self-protection. Um, and, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with making sure that we understand the details of the diagnosis, but it's also important to be compassionate, you know, in, at the same time. And it's all about that balance. You know, it's all about being a professional and being direct, but it's also about being compassionate, um, you know, in the, in the moment as well. It's just about introducing the human side of it. And, um, you know, understanding that a lot of times cancer patients, they, there was one, one girl that I interviewed, she mentioned that um, she couldn't remember where her doctor's appointment was, and she asked one of the, the oncology staff about it, and they were just very, really short with her, and they were like, well, you were just here the other day, you don't remember where it was at? And so she, she felt that, you know, they don't even realize that how many other appointments she's had that day. Or that uh-huh. week, you know, and sometimes it's hard to keep up with that. It's an, it's an overwhelming experience. And so a lot of times, you know, oncology staff, they just don't understand what it actually takes to go through a process like that. And she felt that she could have been a little bit more compassionate to her in that moment. And, and those are the types of suggestions that some of the, the cancer patients gave me when I interviewed them. You know, it uh-huh. was just a, a lack of empathy that a lot of the staff provided. Not all of them, but, but some of them, and it's definitely worth addressing in that industry. You know, it's about human connection, you know, which, yes. is, what we, which, which is what we do as private investigators when we're talking to people. But it shouldn't be yes. any different in, a, in the Absolutely. medical world as well. It's, that's frustrating. Yes. I, can, I can see how immensely frustrating that would be. Yeah, it is. It's a lot. It's overwhelming, and um, it, it has an emotional it, emotional impact on you. You know, and, and I also speak about, like, when, when, you, when you get that first doctor's appointment after getting a diagnosis like that, they give you all of these unfamiliar terms, you know, okay, breast cancer, I know what that is, ductal carcinoma in situ. You know, they, what is that? Like, what the hell is right. that? You know, right. they give you all of these terms. <laughs> But they right. don't give you, uh, I suggest perhaps a reference sheet. Explain what some of this stuff means, you know. And I also suggest that perhaps bringing a recorder, you know, to those initial meetings. Because what happens is they'll give you all of this information and you're not going to remember it because of what That's you're right. feeling and what you're going through emotionally. So, That's you know, right. perhaps if, if you have a recorder, then they won't get so many calls in the office saying, hey, what did you say about this? You know, it's just so many different things that can be done differently that could help both sides of the equation. Well, you know, they, they do it every day, all day long. I, I see that because I just went through this with my with my husband in a diagnosis. And they gave us the diagnosis, but they didn't. In your case, they gave the name of it. In our case, they didn't. <laughs> so I'm, wow. I'm having to figure out what it is. Um, so, right. it's, yeah, it's really amazing. So Yeah, yeah oh, it's an experience. We're going to take a quick break, Brianne. But um, what uh, do you have any advice for breast cancer survivors before we go on break here that uh, are people that have just been diagnosed with breast cancer uh, that you can share? Yes, I do. Uh, part of my frustration with my initial diagnosis is that I felt I was alone and I did not have uh, a support system. As far as people that I could go to, you know, I'm, I'm relatively young in, in the scope of the world of private, I'm, I'm sorry, in the scope of the world of breast cancer. So when I would go to these meetings, there weren't any people who were like me. I was looking for the entrepreneurs. Where are the mothers? Where are the, right. the people of my age? 
you know, and it was very difficult. So I came across the site, um, the Young Survival Coalition. Um, that website was very uh, helpful to me. It allowed me to connect with people who shared the same experience that I did, and it made a world of a difference to me in the very beginning. So I would suggest that they reach out to those groups because you're not alone. There are other people who are experiencing the exact same thing. And so once you're in touch with those, um, perhaps your healthcare provider can point you in the right, right direction depending on what state you're in. Um, but there are definitely regional and local offices that can provide that type of support. So I would just encourage them to seek the advice of other people who are in the exact same situation. That could be very helpful to them. That's a really good tip. Thank you so much, Brianne. Uh, we're going to yes, take a quick ma'am. break, and we'll be right back. Um, we need to give a little time to our sponsors. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com PI Magazine is the most respected magazine of the professional investigator. We feature stories and articles on current trends and issues, equipment reviews, tips, and practical advice. Don't miss the new and exciting year in PI Magazine. Subscribe today at PIMagazine.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to PIs Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to F R A N C I E at PIsDeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. My guest today is Brianne Joseph. She's an amazing woman, a private investigator in Louisiana. She's a breast cancer survivor. She is uh, well-known in her state as a, I would say, esteemed private investigator. And she's the mother of two children. (laughs) She has absolutely... No spare time, I can tell you from that. From that. None whatsoever, <laughs> Francie, trust me. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, uh, okay, so let's talk about reaching clients. Uh, this is your expertise. I'm sure you have a lot to share with us. So tell me, what what is your plan uh, for reaching out to build your business? Well, I mean, there are a lot of different things that uh, we as private investigators can do to drive business and traffic. And um, it's it's important to make sure you have some type of marketing plan in place. Um, It's always a waste of money and time to just uh, randomly and, you know, send out business cards or pass out business cards without no real direction or real intention. Um, and, and marketing in general is just really important, you know, because we, our ultimate goal as investigators is, of course, you know, to do our, our investigative work. But we have to, you know, in, always increase sales and make an effort to always grow our businesses. And so, you know, whatever marketing, you have to figure out what works for you and, and what you specialize in. Um, 
and you know, we could still do our direct mail marketing and, you know, attend all the networking events and things like that. But, you know, social media marketing is definitely something that's fairly new to marketing in private investigation. Um, I was talking to, um, I was talking to Jim from a PI magazine, I think around Christmas time. Right. And Jim he was Nettles. talking about yeah. private investigation and social media marketing. Mm-hmm. And he was mentioning that, you know, a lot of times as investigators, we'll use social media to help develop leads or to develop, you know, more research on an, the subject of our investigation. Um, and we were mentioning how, you know, nowadays social media is so much more than that from a marketing perspective. And it's, it's definitely something that private investigators should at least look into or, or add to their arsenal. It's not meant to replace anything, but it's just something else you can do to help you know, increase sales and, and grow your business. Do you know uh, Phil and Yen Johnson from the UK? Yeah. Have you ever, have you ever, they do the best social media marketing I've ever seen. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're really amazing. That. They're, um, but that's all they do. I mean, they do it 24 seven, which is yeah, kind of, yeah, it's kind of definitely, cool. It's definitely worth the effort because it does take effort and it does take time as with anything else. But I mean, it's definitely worth it. You know, you could, you could certainly see a return on your investment, <laughs> whether it's through Facebook ads or just establishing yourself as a present, as a, you know, uh, and I, establishing an identity as an investigator on social media, it, it could definitely increase your profit. Uh-huh. So you mentioned direct mail. Have you ever had uh, any significant results from direct mail? Yeah, I have. Um, actually, have that's one of, one of the main things that, that we do. Um, a lot of our clients, the majority of our clients are attorneys and, uh, you know, in the insurance uh, defense industry, and so uh, a lot of our, our work comes from word of mouth. You know, there will get tons of referrals from the, the attorneys that we work for currently. But when we want to reach new people or new areas, we do direct mail a lot. And um, it, it works for us, at least. It's definitely something that we find. And I think the key to direct mail marketing is not just simply creating um, a mail or a postcard or whatever you want to send. It's not just as simple as, uh, mailing those types of things out. That's only like the first step. You know, you also want to do follow-ups and visits and things like that after that to make sure they got it for one uh-huh. and, uh-huh. And, and see if there's anything else that you can do for them, you know, at, the, at that particular moment. So it's all about the strategy and the follow-up behind any action. It's not just as simple as mailing things out and just hoping somebody calls. So are you sending postcards or letters or, or what are you actually sending? No, we do postcards. Um, okay. We do the oversized postcards, not just the small ones. We do the the oversized ones that are that are easy to spot in a pile of mail. <laughs> uh-huh. So, and right. we try to use yeah, we try to use graphics that are you know uh, bright and, and eye catching and, and use things that draw attention to the to the to the mailing as well. But we do the oversized postcards. And what is your message that that you think has brought in the most business? Well, um, it's actually very simple. <laughs> it's not anything elaborate. I find that when you have a ton of text on uh, a marketing piece, you know, uh-huh. sometimes it's too much for people. to. People don't have time for one. You know, they want right. to get straight to the point, you know, when they see your mailer. So something as simple as need an investigator with a question mark, you know, something uh-huh. simple in bold, big print, something that's really catchy and to the point. Um, so it, it, it has to be something really simple, something quick that they can read and, oh, yeah, I do need an investigator. Nothing that they have to read a paragraph to find out what you do and who you are about, you know, so it's got to be something simple. And where do you get your mailing list from? My mailing list? Um, we do our own internal research, um, you know, just locally. For the, We just target different um, areas and different law firms in our area. But that's where we develop our list from, just, you know, internally from our agency, from research that we do in the area. Okay. Okay. And then mm-hmm. um, and then you evidently keep track of who you sent the mailers to so you can follow up with yeah. them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so then do you call or do you send them a follow-up note or how do you do that? 
Um, we do a little bit of both. Actually, we'll call um, and then we'll we'll give them, you know, just information over the phone about us and things like that. Just follow up and make sure they got it. Um, and then, you know, if if we don't get any any work from them after a while, we'll follow up with another postcard and we'll kind of repeat the process. We'll just we'll just uh, hound them until they send us a case. No, I'm kidding, but you know, it's not completely false. <laughs> right. So. Uh, so on your, uh, I'm assuming you go to your state bar website to get some of your your contacts. Is that correct? Uh, no, we 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 attend some bar association, um, you know, events and things like that. We may, if they have an event, we might we might attend something like that. But we don't get our list from them. Um, what's tried and true for us is really just the the internal research that we do because we. We're very uh, specific with who we want to work with, if, I, if that makes sense. So even if we're not successful initially with them, then we'll continue and just kind of drill down on that particular place until we win them over, basically. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it usually so, works, so it just takes time. <laughs> all right. So tell me how you win them over. Well, I mean, we, we do a lot of different things. I mean, we could, we could go visit with them. We'll, we'll continuously show up. We'll, you know, we'll uh, send them some food or something. Okay. <laughs> we'll send them sweets and treats, and we'll always, you know, we'll, we'll, do, we'll send them like um, two dozen of these fancy cupcakes or something that has our logo on it, you know, something very creative. Uh-huh. And with our marketing information on the box, and so they can circulate that throughout the eight throughout the law firm and things like that. Um, you know, just little things that subliminally subliminally tell them they need to call us. Right, right. Oh, that's that's yeah. very creative because that's much better than handing out a pen with your name on it. Um, yeah, yeah. No, it's just all about reads. doing things that that make you stand out in the crowd and that separate you from everything else. And that's really the key to marketing in general. You know, what's what's different about you? What's your competitive advantage? You know, what can you do differently that could bring attention to your brand and what you have to offer? Because at the end of the day, you know, we're all investigators. We all do similar things. But the key to marketing and marketing well is to focus on what separates you from the pack and and drilling that down to your prospects. And and that's when they choose you. That's when they pick you when you you stand out. And I think uh, in private investigations, I don't know. There's always this notion that nobody's supposed to, to know who you are, you know, your private, your private investigation. And, and I believe that that is, that's true to a certain extent, but I, I don't think it's true as it pertains to uh, your clients. That's right. You know, the people that you want to market to, they absolutely have to know who you are. You have to make noise. You have to draw attention and you have to be able to communicate what you can do for them and, and how you can make their lives easier and better. And if you're able to, effectively do that that's when the cases come in and i and that personal contact i think uh that personal follow-up uh is really important because uh first of all you're a female and that makes a difference mm-hmm. uh yeah. i know the the male uh investigators that are listening to the show probably don't like to hear this but uh, <laughs> women women <laughs> female investigators are really successful I mean, we're de- we're typically very detailed. We are we're engaged in what we do. Um, you know, there's a lot of attributes that a woman brings to the business that not all men have. I'm not saying yeah, I'm not absolutely. saying all of them, but you know, certainly a significant <laughs> number. Yeah, yeah, I always I always believe that you know women make good investigators. All women are good investigators, in my opinion. You know, if if there's something that we want to know, we are going to find out. You know. <laughs> We will find out. So, you know, we're just naturally inquisitive. We're detail-oriented. You know, a lot of things, as you mentioned, you know, not that all that all men don't do or have those types of qualities. But, you know, women, I think we're, we naturally have a lot of those things, and, and it's definitely advantageous to us. And how significant is it when you're trying to market your business that you have an all-female agency? Well, we, we market that as a competitive advantage, you know, uh-huh. especially because it's a male-dominated industry. That's something that we can claim as different. So we market that. And, and 
we, we, we talk about the ways that women can be different, you know, and helpful to them in their investigations and bring about possibly different results as a result of being a woman. Um, and, and that's part of the message that we, we try to relay. So, you know, being a woman in this industry is definitely marketable, at least, you know, in my experience. What do you think, uh, Brianne, has been your most successful marketing campaign? Uh, most successful marketing campaign. Um, we get a lot of success through Google ads. We do Google ads. Um, you know, those can, it it can be, it can get pretty expensive doing Google ads, but in the end, you know, the results that come in from the Google ads are, are definitely worth the investment. In my opinion, um, we only typically do the Google ads when we want to see an increase in like the domestic cases. Because, um, you know, we don't market to attorneys and things like that using Google Ads. Those are really if we're trying to get more infidelity cases or child custody cases. Um, But when we invest in the Google Ads, it's definitely uh, we get a lot of success from those types of investments. And do you also do uh, Facebook ads? Um, We do a few Facebook ads. We don't do a ton of Facebook ads um, because, you know, literally the majority of our clients are attorneys. And so when we when we do campaigns on social media, um, that's only for domestic cases. You know, our conversation is different on social media than it is when we do the mailers for or the postcards to the attorneys because it's two different audiences that we target target. Right. So the language is different. The conversation is different. And, and since we specialize primarily in insurance fraud, the majority of our marketing efforts go towards that. So although we do, we, you know, we do some domestic stuff, but if we're on social media, that's, that's who we're trying to target. And, you know, that's only when we want to see an increase in those types of cases. Is there, uh, I, I believe there is anyway, an uh, Attorneys Association of Insurance Defense kind of folks? Um, yeah, there is. There's, um, and, and I think most uh, states, if not all of them, I'm not 100% sure, but yeah, we do have one in Louisiana. Um, and um, we, do get, we do get a lot of work from uh, attorneys that are part of those types of associations. I would also, um, if you're able to, um, I would suggest also trying to be a speaker at some of their luncheons and their monthly meetings. I've been a guest speaker at um, different associations, industry associations, um, you know, for people who I want to work for and with, you know, mm-hmm. not just, yeah, not just, um, you know, defense attorneys, but paralegals, the paralegal association. If there's a paralegal association in, in your area, you should definitely try to uh, see when their next monthly meeting is and see, you know, if you're comfortable speaking publicly. If you're not comfortable, you should get comfortable. Right. <laughs> you know, you should, you should develop those skills. You know, there may be, what's the name of the organization? Toastmasters. <laughs> Maybe it'll right. be worthwhile to attend a Toastmasters uh, meeting to increase your public speaking skills. Um, I'm very comfortable with public speaking. You know, it didn't happen overnight. And at one point, I did attend a Toastmasters meeting years ago to try mm-hmm. to develop that particular skill set because I knew that as a marketer, I would have to be able to speak to people, you know, in a way that would influence them to take some type of action. So I would definitely suggest, you know, brushing up on your presentation skills and then approaching those types of organizations to to you know, find out what's going on right now. What's hot? You know, what what are people talking about these days, and how can you you provide some type of value to those conversations and present that to them and say, hey, look, I would like to present to you guys about you know, I don't know, tra- child trafficking, how you can keep your you know children safe or whatever. Uh-huh. You know, whatever whatever you think that you know they'll be interested in hearing about um, something that they can you know benefit and learn from. You know, contact them and, and see if they'll be willing to bring you on as the guest speaker at their luncheon. And, and I've found that when I've spoken at those types of events, you know, you, you have the opportunity to pass out your cards there. Um, they're going to do an introduction of you. They're going to talk about you and who you are and what you do and how you can help them. And so it's just easy marketing, you know, if you're yeah, able to sure. develop that skill set and, and be comfortable to get up in front of people and talk about what you do. Okay, I want to talk more about that, but... I just got notified that we need to take another break. So we'll be right back, Brianne. (laughs) 
Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. PI Magazine is the most respected magazine of the professional investigator. We feature stories and articles on current trends and issues, equipment reviews, tips, and practical advice. Don't miss the new and exciting year in PI Magazine. Subscribe today at PIMagazine.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's Choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. I'm speaking with Sly Fox Investigations entrepreneur and owner, Brianne. I'm not going to mess this up here. Brianne Joseph. (laughs) I want to come back to the speaking piece. So, um... Because I found that most groups are always looking for speakers. Do you find that as mm-hmm. well? Yes, they are. They're always looking for because they want to. They want to keep their their members, you know, active and informed and entertained. And, and you know, if they're always looking for new content, so absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And so, uh, what kind of groups have you spoken to? Let's give us some ideas of of uh, who you would contact. Well, yeah, you would just contact different associations like the Paralegal Association, for one. I've spoken at the Ben Rouge Paralegal Association. I've spoken in New Orleans. Um, then there's also the, well, for us, it's insurance fraud. We primarily do. So um, there's also uh, the claims associations and things like that. They're, they're looking for speakers on a monthly uh, basis. They always have luncheons like at restaurants and things like that. So if you're in insurance, definitely the claims association meetings, um, if there's defense attorneys uh, who have associations in your area, those are good places. Um, and, and like the paralegal ones, like I mentioned before. How about Chamber of Commerce? Have you contacted them? Um, I have. I don't particularly uh, I don't know. I guess it will just depends on, on what your expertise is. It, because for me, I've, I've, I've spoken at the Chamber of Commerce um, in New Orleans, mm-hmm. but those are not uh, people who I would consider necessarily our audience. Um, they were comprised of, of, of course, different business owners. Mm-hmm. So to that, you know, from that perspective, yes, business owners can certainly benefit from what we do. But I, I find that if, it, if you target it a little bit more specific to, uh, you know, just drill it down a little bit more, our marketing had to be a little bit more specific than just general business owners. For example, um, I think that the ones, the business owners who are a part of maybe a self-insured 
organization and you can directly market to them through that type of association, perhaps. Okay. You know, just, okay. just something a little bit more specific than just random business owners. And that would apply to uh, some something like Rotary Club as well, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I've, I've, I'm always, you know, against random marketing. Mm-hmm. I would prefer to just get very specific with who I want to get business from and not just hope that the candy store sends me business. You know what I mean? So it's, right. it's, right. yeah, it's just a different way to look at it. Okay, so um, let's say I'm a brand new investigator and I want to mark on my business. What steps would you tell tell that person to take, or tell me to take? Yeah, well, if you're if you're new in this field, um, first of all, I would suggest that you uh, pick an area of expertise and hone your craft to that, and don't try to be a jack of all trades. Um, I was a guest speaker at the Baton Rouge Community College. Um, investigator Jerry DeFada actually taught the private investigator course over the summer, and he invited me down to speak to the class. It was a class of majority women, so he invited me to come down and just give a perspective from um, a female investigator about the industry and just some tips, and, and that was actually one of the tips that I gave to his class. You know, don't come out trying to do everything. You know, there are some businesses in private investigation, some agencies who are hugely successful as jack-of-all-trades industries. So it's not to knock that, but I think that when you're coming out and you're new, you know, there is a tendency to want to be good at everything, and that's really not the best thing to do. You want to pick something that you want to specialize in, um, not just because it's, the, it's, it's better to do it that way, but because it's more marketable. You know, if you're known for one thing, that's more marketable than trying to do everything. So that's that's the first thing I would say. And uh, the other thing that I would tell them to do is to try to create, um, you know, some type of brand identity. And brand identity is really just, you know, making yourself official, just your name, your logo, you know, just something that established you as a brand. Um, uh-huh. So I would suggest that they get some type of brand identity, you know, and it, it could be just, you know, finding, getting a website up and getting your logo, getting those basic things in place. Um, I think that's kind of the, the first step in the, in the whole process of trying to market yourself when you come out. And everything should match. Your website should yes. match. Your business <laughs> card should match. Your letterhead your envelope, yes. everything should match because that is going to be what is identified with, with you. Yeah, If you have absolutely. a website everything, that looks, yeah. Yeah, everything down to way. the color scheme, you know, everything has to match and, and that, that has to spill over into um, social media marketing. You know, that's just like when we post on our, our fan page on social media, you know, our brand colors are typically the, you know, the dark orange and, and, and black and red and, and those, that type of family of colors. And so every post that we make or anything that we do, any type of graphic is going to have those colors and, the, and those elements in it because, you know, people start associating all of that with you. And it's all a part of building, you know, that brand identity. Yeah, and I, you know, you see all the time. You'll see somebody has a website that looks one way and a business card that looks another, and and you you just wonder, you know, how how they're getting business. And I and I have to tell you my own personal story about specializing. Um, we were generalists for a long time. I worked for an investigator for nine years, and who was a generalist. And then I decided to go out on my own and I was really scared about specializing, but I specialized in criminal defense and I thought I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to have trouble with this, but it's turned out exactly what you say, specializing and getting known for a specifically specific expertise is definitely the way to go. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. It's highly marketable. Yeah, because I, I, I can't even imagine uh, doing everything, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> Neither can I. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even though you are no, it's doing everything already. <laughs> oh, my. Look, I'm all over the place sometimes. But, you know, from our agency, that's what our agency is known for, surveillance. You know, that's the main thing that we're known for, and that's what we market the most. So, And that's the type of work that we want to get the most of. So that's what we, we, we put on the forefront of what we do. They know surveillance marketing efforts. Um, and we do other things, you know, we do get those calls for like locates and witness interviews and we, we, 
we do those as well, but our marketing efforts are definitely, um, you know, very specific to, you know, a specialty. And, and that's been very helpful to us in, 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 you know, the insurance fraud industry and in family law and all, all kind of other different areas, too. It's always good to have a specialty. Well, frankly, I have a lot of respect for you for doing surveillance because just, I know, just scheduling surveillance operatives based on what the client's needs are is really difficult. I can't, I can't even imagine doing that. Oh, my God, it that. is. I think I'm nuts. I'm nuts for doing that. I really am. I, I'm crazy <laughs> because it's, it's a lot to do. Surveillance, you know, surveillance huh, has its own set of challenges, Um and so it's, it's really an art form, you know, and it's something that it's a skill set that you develop over time. Fortunately for me, you know, I came into the industry as a surveillance, you know, operative, and that's, that's my foundation, and that's what I came in learning and knowing. And so through the years, I've only, you know, improved and increased my skill set in that. So it was only, it was only um, natural for me to, when I start my own thing, specialize in what I was good at, you know, specialize in what I knew. So, you know, and you're right, you know, finding people who can um, have the same work ethic as you do when it comes to surveillance and things like that, it is challenging. Fortunately, you know, I've, I've been able through the years to find people who genuinely love what we do um, and love the, the art of surveillance and, and we do very well with the people that we have and it's challenging, definitely, you know, to say the least, trying to find those types of people. But it, it pays off in the end, I guess. After all these years, it's about time we, we have a, a team that <laughs> that does what we need them to do. It's just hard to yeah. find people sometimes. So that's For why I'm sure. very hesitant about, like, you know, outsour- outsourcing stuff. It, at first, I, there were times in the past where I tried to do that, and it just did not work out well. You know, everybody does not have the same work ethic. They just don't have the same respect for for time and punctuality. And you know, <laughs> you have to be you have to you have to really want to do a good job on these surveillance cases to do well at it. And you know, it's good when you find people who have those same values. How many employees do you have, Brian? We have eight. We have eight uh, throughout New Orleans and Baton Rouge. Well, and are they all full-time or some part-time? No, no, everybody's not full-time. Um, the majority are actually part-time, so no, not everyone's part-time. We have um, some folks who just do process service, too, um, but our investigators, um, we have, what, five in Baton Rouge, three in New Orleans, so between, you know, the five and three that we have, we're... We do very well with, within those two cities, so we're hopefully going to be in a position to expand a little bit more within the state. That's, you know, one of our goals, but um, you know, I'm really proud of where we've come thus far. And when you're looking for somebody to fill a position, what do you look for? I look for people who are independent thinkers, for one, because I don't like to micromanage. Um, I look for people who are self-starters. I look for people who um, are leaders, really. You know, I want people who have leadership qualities because, um, you know, I like, I like to invite people to work with us who, who value excellence. You know, we, we strive to be the best at what we do. And there's a certain expectation behind wanting to do excellent work. And I want people to come to us um, you know, kind of already wanting to see us move forward and, 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 and grow. And so I, I look for people with those types of, of qualities. That's great. That's great. And you, and you can find women with those qualities for sure. So, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. We've got, we've got lots of people who, um, who come to us and who are just ready to do, just be a part of, of our little movement we have going on here. You know, I used, I get a lot of, um, I was getting a lot of inbox messages from people who wanted me to mentor them to do our, you know, surveillance and to, you know, how do you, how do I, you know, be successful as an investigator coming in? And it got to the point where, you know, it's just not enough hours in a day to be a mentor to, you know, so many people. So I, I'm creating a course right now um, I found to be the, the best way for me to reach the most people who have an interest in this field uh, with the least amount of time. So the course should be coming out early this quarter, I'm hoping for, you know, just kind of 
working on that right now. And hopefully that'll, it'll kind of shorten the learning curve a little bit for a lot of newcomers in this industry. You know, I've done a lot of things through trial and error. So, you know, I, lo- I know a little bit about what works and what doesn't work with trying to establish yourself as a brand and trying to draw and attract clients. And so I just wanted to create something that would allow people to, um, you know, just, just understand how everything works and get them on the fast track to getting to the money. That's all that's what it's all so about, you know, profit. Are you, gonna, are you going to launch this from your website? Is it going to be a fee-based thing? How are you going to do that? No, it'll be a fee-based thing. Um, I'm not sure uh, which platform I'll use yet. It's probably not going to be on my, my website, per se. Um, I'm still kind of ironing out those types of particulars, but I do know that it will be something. It, it'll be a course. It'll be an online course that if someone wants to, to, to take advantage of, they'll have the option to do from anywhere. Okay, that sounds, sounds great. So, do you yeah. have an office manager? Are you are you assigning all these uh, assignments to your investigators, or is somebody somebody working with you to do that? No, we do have an office manager, a case manager, who actually uh, kind of masterminds the details of the case and things like that. And of course, I, I oversee it all. Um, but no, we do have a case manager who who gets the cases in and irons out the details and specifics, and then passes it on to uh, the investigators with the details, and, and then we, we just go from there. That's great. Well, Brianne, it's just a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, I'm excited about your creativity and all the things that you're doing. It's, uh, it's really refreshing and inspiring, and I hope this um, today has inspired others as well. Um, we're getting ready to close. Do you have any last tips that you would like to give to folks to that they could increase their marketing efforts or branding efforts? Um, any last tips? I would just say um, just allow yourself to make mistakes as you learn how to figure out who your audience is and how to market to them. Um, and, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. Don't, don't feel disheartened if you don't see an increase, you know, in sales or engagement at your first effort. Um, it does take time, as with anything else, but, you know, consistency does yield results. So just be consistent, you know, in your efforts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people don't know that you exist until you tell them. So, you know, make sure you have some type of marketing plan in place um, and include social media marketing in that, too. Um, that's a great place to start the conversation about who you are. So that's what I would great. suggest. Thank you, Brianne. Brianne Joseph, thank you very much. Um, it's PIC Classified. Thanks for listening, folks, and come back with us again next week. We'll have more exciting investigator processes for you to listen to. You've been listening to PIC Classified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel. 